You're probably wondering what I mean by the tricky and mysterious title, but this is really about meeting your dog's biological needs and how if you do so on a regular consistent basis, you're going to avoid a lot of behavioral issues down the road. Stick around. I'll explain. Welcome to Don't Throw Out the Dog, a podcast to dive into the behaviors of your dog to help you understand what they mean, how they're feeling, and what they're trying to say. It's education and knowledge for a closer connection, bringing your best friend even closer. Now your host, Armando Morales. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Armando Morales and we are at episode nine. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get into the actual uh, conversation and uh, the topic that we want to talk about today is let me explain something very quickly because my hope initially, I'm only at episode nine and I feel like I'm already trailing off. My hope initially was that I was going to be able to keep up with this and do this on a consistent basis. And I'm going to tell you that laziness has absolutely nothing to do with it. But whether you are, well, I'm sure that you're mindful of it, that I have a business and this is not my bread and butter. I don't make any money from the podcast. I do this to inform. Uh, I do this to help and spread the word as much as I possibly can. It's content marketing. But I don't make any money from it. I don't monetize it in any way. And I really don't have any aspirations to monetize it in any way. So my way of making money is through working my business, through working dogs, right? To taking on clients, whether it's board and train at my house or dogs that I I go to their family's house and do individual lessons, for example. But that takes up a lot of my time. And it takes up a good deal of my time depending on how busy I get, the season, the number of dogs, the number of clients that I've got going on. And it's not just that I, the fact that I have to travel to a client's house, but when I have dogs who are with me in my house, that's an enormous amount of time. It's not just the work itself, but it's the management, it's the caretaking of the dogs. Just this week, for example, I had a dog who had done a board and train with me a few years ago, back, going back three years, and she was just boarding with me. But she developed a hot spot. And that kind of like took my whole schedule and put it in a tailspin because I had to postpone and delay and push back everyone that I was scheduled to see and uh, speak with and work with because I needed to get her to a vet. I needed to uh, accommodate my schedule around her. I needed to to supervise her and work with her and ensure that she was going to play with this hot spot and make it worse. So it affects everything. And that's kind of the nature of the business when you're dealing with animals. Sometimes you're, you're, you're on one train and then suddenly it gets derailed. But the point is that as much I wa- as I wanted to be consistent 100% with this podcast is that the reality of the, the, the business is that sometimes it just isn't possible. When you add to that that I have a teenage daughter that I need to chaperone around because that's basically what I'm doing. She doesn't have a car of her own yet. And I have to take her around all these different spots. It's a lot of my time and sometimes I feel like I don't have enough time of the day to really record one of these podcasts and get it out there. So my apologies. I am going to work and I am working at it currently on being a little more consistent because I've got a a whole mess of topics that I really want to get down to recording and passing on to you because I really do think that they're going to be informative and extremely helpful to you uh, if you're able to kind of retain this information and somehow implement the information and the suggestions and the tips that I give you into your life. So let's talk about today because it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's a tricky sub, uh, not a tricky, 
It's a tricky title that I put up there, a little mysterious. You're probably wondering, what do I mean by uh, serving nature? Well, we're talking about biological needs. We're talking about meeting your dog's biological needs on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. What do I mean by biological needs? Primarily, physical and mental stimulation. So hear me out. Dogs need physical and mental stimulation on a regular, consistent basis. Just like humans, the younger the dog is, the more activity the dog is going to need, the more activity he's going to require, the more energy he's going to uh, have, and the more you're going to want to work towards expending that energy. Very often, what happens is that I go into somebody's house and they, they, they call me for all sorts of issues. The dog's out of control. The dog's not doing this. He's doing that. He's, he's getting into this kind of trouble. He's not listening to us. And when I take a, you know, when I, when I kind of delve into it a little more, I begin to see that the dog's not really getting anything in the form of exercise or any kind of mental stimulation. And that will almost, in, almost inevitably, in, in at least the vast majority of cases, start creating some kind of behavioral issues at some point down the road, typically very early on. Okay? And what kind of behavioral issues am I talking about? Dogs who don't get physical or mental stimulation on a regular basis, along the lines of uh, a lack of impulse control, a lack of focus, uh, hyperactivity, uh, excessiveness, excessive chewing, excessive barking, dogs who gain weight, they're withdrawn, they get depressed, uh, they've got no endurance, they get, um, these. some of these dogs get uh, very hyper very easily, they get overstimulated, they learn to stay in that overstimulated state. Uh, these are dogs who get very excitable and just somehow have a lot of difficulty calming down. So what you have is a, a great deal of energy, no release for that energy, combined with boredom, and you've got a recipe for a lot of behavioral issues that become habitualized in the dog, become part of their regular everyday routine, part of their repertoire, part of their personality, part of their default way of, of dealing with certain things in life. And these things trail on. So as the dog matures and he gets to the two, three, four, five-year-old age, the dog still retains a lot of these problems. So you have a dog who has learned to get easily stimulated, who learns to stay in that stimulated state, who gets lethargic because he's not getting enough exercise, who retains a lot of weight because he's not getting enough exercise, a lot of activity. Um, and who just generally develops a lot of kind of issues like, you know, excessive barking. That, that's, that doesn't just happen with puppies. That happens with older and more mature dogs who get into that kind of demanding, attention-seeking cycle, um, one of many reasons of which they bark. Um, but that's often learned from a dog who's not getting any kind of activity, no exercise, and he's just looking to engage and interact in one way or another. So you want to do whatever you possibly can, especially those of you who are dealing with younger dogs, puppies. You're bringing dogs into the house, you know, and, and often enough, when we bring dogs into the house, the last thing that we need is, or the last thing that we think about, in other words, is that this dog's got so much energy, I need to do something. I need to create a plan to get this dog's energy needs met on a regular basis. And very often what they do is, they figured, oh, let me just take the dog out on a walk. But I'll tell you that along the list of items or rather uh, activities that I'm going to give you right here in a second, because I'm going to keep this to a, a very short podcast uh, episode, rather. Um, walking is not really something that's going to do much to expend your dog's energy. 
And when I'm talking about expending your dog's energy, you want to get his heart rate going. You want him panting. You want him or her having that tongue out, you know, really tired. And you want to be able to see afterwards that the dog just kind of needs to rest for a period of time, however long that may be. Some dogs, depending on the age, depending on the breed, depending on the activity and how vigorously you really work them out, some dogs can go full on board with some kind of vigorous activity, take a little break, take a little nap, and within a few minutes, they're at, they're at it again. It's almost as if they never got any kind of activity, as if they never really expended any kind of energy because they've got that much energy in store. Again, phase of life, breed has a great deal to it. But you want to start doing this on a regular basis. Look, we humans, we need it, right? And when I say that one of the some of the issues that you can start creating are, are hyperactivity, overstimulation, anxiety. You can start throwing anxiety in there. Also, with dogs who don't get enough exercise, what do they tell us when we are in that kind of state? When we feel lethargic, when we feel uh, kind of down or we're gaining weight, when we are um, not getting kind of any activity, when we are feeling kind of uh, anxious, for example, right, or stress, they tell us exercise. You need some kind of exercise. You need to get out there and and run or work out or do something. So dogs develop all sorts of issues, and, and at the core of those issues, in many often, many times, you have a dog who just isn't getting enough of this on a regular basis. And occasionally, you'll have the family who takes the dog out on a walk, and as I was saying just a few seconds ago, these walks typically don't do much for these dogs. So maybe a smaller dog, maybe a younger dog, depending on how quickly you walk, the pace that you maintain during your walk, how far you walk, it may tire the dog out a little bit, but generally speaking, do dogs walk at a faster clip at a different gait, in a different gait than we do. So for us, you know, when we're really teaching a dog to learn how to walk on a leash, what we're actually teaching them is to learn to slow down at our pace so that we can keep up. Because a, a dog, you know, can easily learn to walk by our side. It's just that they walk faster than us. And they're more in that in anticipatory mode, thinking of, you know, where am I going? Where am I going? What's up? What's up ahead? But taking a dog on a walk rarely does anything to really kind of tire them out at the at the level that I'm discussing the the level that I'm that I'm hoping that you understand that you have to take your dog to so as the dog matures as is the case with humans he's going to need less activity less physical stimulation but very early on one of the first things that we do is we give that puppy a lot of a lot of freedom when we really shouldn't be giving him that much freedom and we are very lax and very easy with the rules when, in fact, we should be doing the opposite. We should be making our rules very clear, our structure very kind of uh, solidified very early on to be able to lay the groundwork and create some kind of framework for the dog early, early on at that early stage. But often enough, we don't do that. And one of the other things that we don't do is we don't provide that dog with any kind of exercise. And thus come the complaints of he is always jumping, he is hyper, he is running all over the place, she's always nipping and she's always barking and she's this and that. And a lot of that just has to do with an, an overexcited, overstimulated, uh, high energy puppy who is just completely bored with no activity, mental or physical. Uh, as the saying goes, a tired dog is a good dog. So always work at tiring your dog. So what kind of activities can you do to really kind of help your dog get going 
at the rate and pace that I'm talking about. Here are just a few things. Some of these, don't dismiss them out of hand. Some of these are going to work for you. Some of them are not. Some of these are going to require some kind of training. You're going to need to train your dog to learn how to do some of these behaviors because your dog is, doesn't know how to do it. So if you hear it, don't dismiss it. Oh, my dog doesn't know how to do that. So it's not going to work. I got to figure something else out. Yeah, if your dog doesn't know how to do something, then teach your dog how to do it. So what kind of activities, for example, for physical stimulation? Um, play, structured play. So, for example, a game of tug or a game of fetch. By the way, if you're one of those people who think that tug is going to make your dog aggressive, no, it is not. I know you hear this, I hear this, I see this, I read this, I talk to people who still have that kind of same train of thought in their head. No, I don't want my dog to be aggressive, so I'm not going to play tug with him. Yes, when you play with a dog and the dog really gets into it, some of these dogs, they growl, they kind of flash and, and, and grin their teeth. You know, in other words, you're going to see those teeth that snarl while they're playing. That's because they're really into it. With dogs, many of their play behaviors, whether they're just, it's, whether it's a game of tug or you see them playing one-on-one -on -one with other dogs, many of the play behaviors exhibit some of the same kind of behaviors that you would see in an aggression issue and an aggression case. So you, you, you may hear the growling. You may hear the snarling. You may see the teeth flashing, right? But be mindful that you are seeing these in a different context. This is not a dog aggressing with the intent of hurting you. This is not a dog aggressing who feels fearful or the need to get defensive. This is just this, their form of play and if you're getting that kind of behavior from a dog, understand, number one, it's nothing to be weary of. You don't have to be fearful of it. Number two, it's a dog who is very, very happy and getting into the moment. Now, having said all that, if you do feel you've got an aggression issue of some kind, number one, go get some help. Number two, yes, don't play this. Because, again, while it's not going to teach your dog to be aggressive, it could overstimulate him. And there could be a lot at play if you think that you've got an aggressive dog. One of which is a dog who, is, who has a very low uh, frustration level, so very little tolerance there. Uh, one who has a, an off relationship with you, so maybe you're not the kind of person who should be playing with him. Um, so there's a lot of different variables there. Go get some help. If you feel you've got an aggression issue, don't play tug with your dog, although it does not lead to aggression in dogs. So again, Number one is tug is a good game to play with the dog. But like any kind of game that you play with a dog, you're, you should have rules. It shouldn't be like a lackadaisical kind of thing. Let's just throw this thing around and just get you engaged. For example, one rule is skin, uh, teeth on skin is a no-no. So you want to stop that. So you want to teach the dog how to off the uh, rope or the tug toy. Okay, And you want to have the dog sit waiting for your cue so there's a lot going on in the play not not only are you kind of like uh, physically stimulating him and getting him engaged by the way if you play tug properly it is not only going to tire out your dog but it's going to tire you out as well because it, there's a really a lot of back and forth give and take if you're working with the dog properly so work at that. So that's one example of a rule that you should have. But it needs to be a structured kind of play. With any kind of play with the dog, it should be just a structured kind of play, meaning you have clear rules. You should have the dog play by the rules. And what I was saying a second ago is that what you're doing is not only engaging the dog 
physically. So you're not only meeting that biological, physical need of the dog, but if you are, are playing this by the rules, in other words, teaching the dog to get off when you give him that cue, teaching the dog to sit and wait patiently, you are actually giving him uh, training at a different level. So that's mental stimulation. You're teaching him impulse control as well. So there's, it's a fantastic game that you should do with him frequently. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. Don't think of 30 minutes. Think of just a few minutes, a handful, maybe four, maybe five minutes. That's about it. If you do this properly, your dog's going to be tired out. Take that toy. Put it away. Don't just leave it on the floor where he's going to chew at it and destroy it, and you're going to have to get yourself another one. Plus, it's going to wear off, uh, wear out the novelty. You want to put that toy away so that every single time you bring it out, maybe stick it on top of the fridge, pull it off. He's going to associate that same toy, whether it's a rope or anything else, uh, with, uh, with fun activity and therefore associate you with the fun activity. It's no different than the dog who sees the leash and he gets really super excited because he recognizes he's going to go out on a walk. But if you leave the toy out every single day and just throw it out on the ground so he, he can play with it, he can see it every time he walks by, he can chew on it, the, the novelty wears off. So that when you try to get him engaged in the game, he may play, he may not, he's not going to be so excited about it. Okay, So take the toy and put it away. Fetch is another game. Again, it's structured. So don't just throw the ball and have the dog go for the ball and then run away with it you're not teaching the, ball, the, the dog how to play properly. So you want to be able to teach him so that he's fully engaged. Think like a father-son kind of game back and forth. So you want to do this back and forth. Again, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. Think just a few minutes, five minutes of vigorous ball tossing. And you get that dog to fetch and bring it to you. Once she brings it to you, you throw it right back. So it's back and forth, back and forth. You get that dog to the stage where the heart is racing, the tongue is hanging, and you know you've done your job for now. And then take that ball. Again, don't leave it on the ground. You want to see the excitement in the dog every time he sees that one particular ball because he knows exactly what it means, okay? So take the ball, put it away. So that's two different forms of structured play. That is tug and that is uh, fetch. Uh, but uh, off-leash activity, if you can train your dog to be off-leash, off-leash activity, activity, not activity, activity is not only physically stimulating, so it can tire the dog out, depending on the dog, if he goes out and runs, but it's also mentally invigorating. Just think of yourself going out for a walk in nature and just, you know, emptying your mind and getting out of a confined space like a house or an apartment. So it does no different to your dog. So it's a, it's a good thing both physically and mentally, if you can teach your dog off-leash skills. A daycare, for example, is another alternative. So a daycare will give your opportunity to, your dog the opportunity to socialize with other dogs. But if it's a well-run daycare, that dog is going to play quite a bit. He's going to play vigorously. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to, to play. And when he gets home, like most dogs who attend daycare, chances are that dog is going to crash. She's just going to be so tired, so spent from the day of playing that she's just going to spend a good deal of time just laying around and sleeping. And she's going to be far easier, therefore, for you to manage and control. And that's the name of the game. You meet these needs. You avoid behavioral issues down the road. But the dog also becomes far more easier to control and manage. Right. So a daycare is good. 
And there are a whole bunch of other alternatives that you can start thinking about and devising ways to really kind of meet your dog's physical needs. I have some clients who run with their dogs. And sometimes, again, it's another one of those things that you have to teach the dog how to run with you. Obviously, duh, dogs know how to run. But running by your side is a different thing entirely. And with some dogs, you may just need to teach them that. Okay. So, uh, but if you're able to do that, if you're a jogger, you're a runner, and you have the kind of dog, the breed, who is able to do this because not every dog can do it, then yes, it's something that you want to be able to teach your dog and have them do with you. So that's another fantastic means and way of expending that energy. Uh, so now let's go into mental stimulation because if you think that you're meeting just their, their physical needs and ignoring mental stimulation, that's not the right way to think about it. You need both because physically, yeah, you, your dog's got a great deal of energy, especially the younger dogs, and you've got to kind of get that need out, right? You've got to meet that need. But think about it this way. Dogs spend a good deal of their time, maybe 80, 90% of their time, if not more, just lazing about doing absolutely nothing. They're just lying about, sleeping, going from one place to another. They're extremely bored, out of their minds. Most of the time, they're just hanging around, waiting for some kind of activity, waiting for us to engage, trying to get our attention so that they can, so that we can engage with them. And if we don't meet that need, they start finding some other activity. And what kind of activity? All sorts of stuff. Again, depending on the dog, depending on the breed, depending on the age. So maybe they'll start chewing on, 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 a, on a chair or a table. Uh, or the, some other piece of furniture. Maybe they'll start um, counter-surfing. Maybe they'll start rummaging through the garbage. Maybe they'll start racing up and down the stairs. Uh, maybe they'll start barking. Uh, maybe, you know, the excessive barking develops that way. It's just a lot of boredom. These dogs have nothing to do. So you've got to find a means of getting that dog engaged and busy. It's more than just the physical. It's this too. So what can you do? to meet their physical, uh, their mental needs, for example. Um, here, here are a few things that you can think about. Is uh, puzzle toys. So very often when I go to somebody's house and I ask them about what kind of toys they've got for their dogs, they've got a whole mess of toys. Most of the toys uh, are inappropriate for a dog. So think about this, for example. Like most people, you probably have a lot of those kind of squeaky toys for the dogs, right? You, you see them all over the place, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes they look like human dolls. Sometimes they look like little creatures. They look like rabbits. They look like squirrels. They look like little bears. Uh, and they have like a little squeaker in them. And some dogs get really excited by these things. And let me tell you that for the most part, there's a reason why these dogs get really uh, stimulated by these toys and why they sell so many of them is number one is because they look like the little creatures that many dogs go after so it activates their prey drive not only with the look in fact the look probably has a little very little to play with uh, to do with it but more so with the sound with the squeaking now it's not a pretty picture to think about but if you've ever heard a dog uh, killing a small creature like a squirrel or a rabbit uh, that little squeaker that little squeak squeak that is exactly what one of those creatures sounds like i've heard it i've heard a, a dying rabbit uh and that's exactly what they sound like when they're screaming uh for for help and it activates the dog's prey drive and you want to be mindful of that because if you're dealing with a dog who's easily stimulated and you want to start reinforcing calmness instead of that overstimulation. Well, a toy like that can get a dog into uh, easily into stimulation mode. Okay, 
Uh, also, uh, a toy like that very often, like I have a I have a, a pit bull girl, and in the past, before I, I I was aware of what was going on, I I too would give her some of these toys. Sometimes I'd have clients who give me presents for my dogs, and some of the presents are just these these little squeaky toys, and I give them to her. And what she does with them is that number one, she gets overstimulated. She gets really excited when you give the squeak, you hear the squeaky. She hears a squeaky and she starts spinning around and she starts going crazy. You could see like the redness in her face. She's a pit bull. So she gets really excited. Number two, she grabs this thing and she kills it. I mean, she literally kills it. She puts it in her mouth. She shakes it, throttles it back and forth. And then she starts to disembowel it. She takes it apart. She takes the guts out. So she takes all the stuffing out of it. And once the animal is dead in her eyes, she ignores it. She never touches it again. She never goes back to it. So it's like a kill to her. And I'm not saying that every single dog is going to respond in the same way, but many do. And when they do, it's because, again, that's it's it activates their, their prey drive. And it does very, very little, if anything at all, to really meet their mental needs, mental stimulation. So when I talk about mental stimulation, start thinking along the lines of puzzle toys. Kongs, for example. Kongs, if I say Kongs, you'll probably start thinking of those pyramid toys the red ones and black ones, right? They, they have holes on both ends, and we stuff them. So those are good puzzle toys. Kong is just a brand, by the way. It's not, it's not the actual name of the little pyramid toy. It's a brand, and they have many other types of puzzle toys. Now, what you can do with these things is do like I do. I keep like a rotating factory in my freezer. So take a Kong and stuff like maybe a handful of treats, five, ten small little treats, in there, make them like those soft, smelly, and uh, uh, tiny, tiny treats, small treats that you can start sticking in there, and then mortar it with peanut butter, and stick it in the freezer and freeze it for an hour or so, and then give it to your dog at certain times when you're putting him in the crate, when you're going to leave the dog alone, when you have to confine her in a in a, in a certain space, maybe a pen, or again, like I said, in the crate when you're trying to train her in one sense or another. It's a fantastic thing to give her. Or just when you feel she's bored and she needs some kind of activity. Dogs with with these kind of puzzle toys, here's the trick. Here, here's the point, rather, not the trick. The point is that they have to think their way through to the treat. They have to think their way through to the reinforcement, the reward in the middle of the toy. Okay. So if they want their toy, if they want their food, rather, the treat, after they get through the peanut butter, they have to figure out the, the way of a method of getting out the treat. And that's mental stimulation. Okay, so that's a good activity. Like I said, Kong also creates other toys, one of which is something like a hamster ball. If you, you feed your dog dry kibble, you can stick the kibble in there and you can have the dog play with it and he has to figure out how to get the kibble out of there. Now, it's going to drive you crazy, so you want to be mindful of that. It, it, you, that dog's going to be slamming that ball left and right all over the place and it's going to drive you nuts it's going to be loud because he's really into it and he's trying to figure out how to get these the food out of there and he will eventually but the point is that it's mental stimulation he's it's, it's going to be engaged it's not just a one over i'm going to kill this thing I'm going to I'm going to take the stuffing out and it's done dog has to really work at getting these toys uh this food out okay so you're providing now a lot of that mental stimulation training as well so when you're training certain basic stuff, which you can do in the house, you don't need to go to a class. You don't need to hire a trainer. These days, we've got a, a crap load of YouTube videos where you can just go and learn the basics of marker training. 
and you can teach your dog sit down stay all sorts of fancy and annoying tricks that you can teach your dog right paw leg whatever all of the stuff you can do and it's very it's a lot of fun for the dog and it's very engaging and if you have children you can incorporate the kids into this kind of training right but let me tell you that it's also fit, mentally taxing to the dog it's mentally stimulating if you know how to teach a dog properly if you really if your dog really focuses and you're you're engaging to train with you know you engage the dog and you're not a bore you're going to stimulate that dog mentally because he you know he has to think how do what are you looking for what are you asking me the dog has to figure out the means to get the reward that you're going to reinforce him with so in other words that's just a handful the tip of the iceberg that's just a handful of tips or rather suggestions and things that you can do to mentally and physically meet your dog's needs but here is the catch to this whole thing again as i was saying earlier on the younger the dog is the more of this activity he needs but the catch is that you've got to have a plan for this you've got to have a regular plan like when my kids were younger i had plans for them in terms of like i had a schedule for them so they had activities they had gymnastics they had this play activity to do they had this rehearsal to do and i had their schedules pinned up on my refrigerator so i knew it on this day i got to take her to this rehearsal on this this other day she's got a competition on that other day she's got a practice so i knew exactly what i was going to do with them on any given day and you kind of need to get yourself into the same kind of mode you need to have a plan for your dog all right, so on these two days, he's going to go to daycare. All right, great. So you're taking your dog to daycare two days out of the week. It doesn't have to be every single damn day of the week. You're taking him two days out of the week. But now what am I going to do with the other five days? Because the dog needs activity those other five days. So what am I going to do with those other five days? Okay, on this five, on those other five days, on this day, uh, he's going to go on a run with, with this person. On this other day, he's going to be in the backyard and we're going to play fetch with him two or three times during that day for just five minute intervals on this other day we're gonna play um we're gonna play um tug with him indoors okay and then we're gonna give him like one kong or two kongs and and here's another puzzle toy we're gonna train with him so you've got to have a plan because i'll tell you that if you wing it you're gonna fail you're just not gonna succeed because life gets in the way you, you're just not gonna you you're gonna realize that you, you're gonna have too many other incidents distracting you pulling you away from what you have to do uh you, you're gonna get too busy too tied up with other things and you're not gonna take this seriously it's gonna become an afterthought your dog's not gonna get those needs met you're just gonna fail because your dog's gonna spiral into some kind of behavioral issue that at some point you're gonna have to deal with you're either going to get accustomed to living with a dog who is just easily stimulated, really hyper, fat, right, overweight, uh, and uh, is barking quite a bit or has destroyed quite a few things in your house, maybe your shoes, maybe, your, maybe a piece of furniture. Or you're going to end up trying to get someone to help you, some training to avoid these issues getting worse issues that you could have been proactive about and dealt with very early on if you had met their mental and physical needs on a regular basis so get on a plan okay so that's really it that's all i'm going to talk about today uh, i think i've made my point i think you you understand 
how important it is for a dog to get mental and physical stimulation. The last thing that I'm going to tell you is, is that I've been emphasizing throughout this whole episode how important it is when a dog is young to do this. But that's a given, right? That's a duh, that's a duh moment. Like, yeah, of course, I've got a young dog. He's really hyper. She's all over the place. Of course, i got to meet those needs. But we don't think about the same things along the same lines when the dog is older. So a dog still needs activity. You know, just because your dog is middle age or even a senior uh, and they don't, they're not very mobile, you know, they don't have the same energy levels, they don't have the same needs, it doesn't mean that they should be cooped up indoors at all time. It doesn't mean that you stop walking them. It doesn't mean that you don't, you stop giving them some kind of mental stimulation. Bones, toys, some activity, something. That dog needs some activity. You don't want to keep him or her lazing about all day just because you figure that they're old. They don't need it. That's a bunch of baloney. They need it. They just may not need as much of it or in the same way, but they need it. Okay. So I hope that this helps you. I hope that if you are dealing with some kind of issue with your dog, that you may start troubleshooting this and thinking about it critically and thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's related to him not getting enough exercise. Or I wonder if that's related to him just being bored out of his mind. Yeah, it might be. So think about that. Okay, all the best to you. Listen, I'm on Instagram. So go hop up, hop on there and check it out. It's my name's Armando Morales77. So A-R-M-A-N-D-O-M-O-R-A-L-E-S 77. And uh, I've got a lot of stories on there. You'll see all the dogs that I work with and train with. And uh, shoot me a DM. Let me know that you found me through my podcast and give me any ideas, something, anything, any topic that you want to hear. I greatly appreciate it. And I love hearing from people like you. So reach out to me. Let me know. Uh, I'm also on uh, Facebook. So if you know you want to hit me up on Facebook, my business name is The Hyper Pup Canine Training. So um, I'm on there as well. But whether you join me there or not, I'm going to tell you that I'm highly, highly appreciative of you listening to this. And I do really sincerely, genuinely hope that it helps you in some way, that you've got something from it and has made you think about how to have a better relationship with your dog, how to deal with any kind of behavioral issues that come down the road. So all the best to you. Take care. And let's get another one in the books. Have a good day. This has been Don't Throw Out the Dog. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast to be the first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tips and tricks. Small changes you can make that will make an everlasting difference in the life of your dog and your relationship with it. For more exclusive content, follow Armando on Instagram at ArmandoMorales77.